0: But why does God have to be involved? Well, you know, I have tried. I have tried to change things. It mostly doesn't work for me. <laughs> you ever tried to just take a fear and like pull it out of your head so it's not there anymore? It doesn't work for me. So I have to I have to reach to something outside myself. Welcome to episode number 31 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Carol They use the donation basket button on our website. Thank you, Carol, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today we're going to talk about step seven, which says, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. If you've ever wondered what humility is, if you've ever thought, when will this shortcoming be removed, if you've ever asked your higher power for help getting rid of a defect that you still have, then listen in to today's podcast and we'll discuss this and more. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Step 7. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Suetha. How are you today, Suetha?
1: Good. Thanks, Spencer.
0: And next to Suetha is our co-host Kelly. And how are you doing, Kelly?
1: I'm great and I'm very glad to be here.
0: Me too. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic Step 7. Following a musical break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow another musical break with feedback from our listeners and news about the podcast before closing with music. Ever have a reading from Courage to Change, March 5th. When I first started working the steps, the thought of having my character defects removed made me very nervous. I thought I would end up like a chunk of Swiss cheese full of holes. But I wanted to get better, and I was continually assured that the steps were the key to my recovery, so I went forward in spite of my fears. I had to take the risk and act on faith before I could receive the gifts my higher power held out to me. Nowhere in steps four through seven do we ask God to add anything, but rather to take away the things we do not need. I found that every single defect as removed had been hiding an asset. I didn't lose myself at all. Instead, as I let go of the things I didn't need, I made room for my strengths, skills, and feelings to become more fully a part of my life. I take comfort in this because it reminds me that everything I need is already present. But I couldn't be sure until I worked the steps and found some relief from my shortcomings. As I said, my name is Spencer. Swetha, what is your understanding of the word humbly in this step?
2: I think it actually ties in a lot with what we talked about last week about progress. Man, is that last week? It feels so long ago. <laughs> uh, about progress, not perfection, where it's humbly is not about um, feeling upset with where I'm at or who I am or blowing things. It's about not blowing things out of perspective for me. It's about not trying to be my higher power, but also not feeling like I'm below or beneath anyone else. It's just, I think for me, humbly has a lot to do with just accepting myself and accepting the situation as it is, and being okay with it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Kelly, your thoughts on Humbly?
1: Hmm. I guess, I mean, I definitely agreed with what Swetha said. I, I also think it's about not having expectations. Hmm. Um, kind, of, kind of like you said, Swetha, about accepting the circumstance for what it is, and not having expectations of any outcome when I'm asking.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the discussions that I've seen of step seven, and I'm not sure now, um, it might have been in our past recovery book or it might actually been in some AA literature that humility, which humbly is humility, can mean teachability. It can mean openness to change. So here we're saying, in that sense, we're saying, okay, I have these character defects. I know that I have them and I'm willing to, you know, take instruction. I'm willing to, to have, have them removed. Um, so willingness, accept, acceptance for me, it's about acceptance. It's about accepting myself for who I am and knowing that, that I'm okay as I am right now, that God loves me as I am right now. Um, and that I'm willing to, to, be taught a new way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I just looked it up on dictionary.com okay. on hey, my phone. On thank, top of it. Thank God for the internet. It uh, the first definition is not proud or arrogant, modest. Okay. Which I think is kind of in line with, with what we were all saying.
0: Yeah, and and if you're willing to ask if you're ready to ask God to remove your defects of character, you probably are not feeling very proud at the moment. Or or it's not gonna work <laughs> if you're feeling proud. Like right. Okay, take them, darn you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work, I think. So the second part says humbly, it says humbly, ask God to remove all these defects of character. Do we really have to get rid of them all? What's the deal here?
2: Oh man, if uh, we were supposed to get rid of them all, I've been doing something horribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't. I don't think so. I think. I mean, I think it says humbly, ask God to remove all your defects of character. But uh, I think think that's a trick statement because if I'm not ready to get rid of them, if I'm not ready to have them removed, maybe I don't see them as a defect yet. Maybe I'm not ready to let go of them yet. Maybe it seems like the best choice for me right now. I struggle a lot with emotional intimacy. (laughs) I rationally can say it's a defect of character. I think on a deeper level, I'm still... I mean, I'm working on it, but I'm still not ready to let let go of that and be completely open and completely vulnerable with someone else. That's that's pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so no. (laughs) No. (laughs) That one hasn't been removed. I haven't officially asked for it to be removed. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: So... What I hear here is a little bit of circle back to step six, actually, right? Step six is about readiness. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, Kelly, what do you think about Are you ready to have God remove your defects of character? Or when you were at step seven, were you ready? Are you still at step seven? How does that work?
1: <laughs> well, to me, I don't think any of the steps qualify for really a graduation process. I mean, <laughs> I think I'm constantly on you know, step one, two, three, six, seven, eleven, ten, twelve. <laughs> Hike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't um So yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. I mean I, I think to me it kind of ties back into that readiness idea and and the humility piece that well I recognize that it's not physically possible for all my defects to be removed the first time I hit step seven that it's not about the actual removal of all defects. It's just about me being okay not having those defects anymore, which to me translates as not using those old tools that should no longer serve me. I I spent the holiday, uh, July 4th holiday weekend with family, and so the reason I'm saying that is because one of my family members knows all of my soft spots and, and knows how to, how to <laughs> throw that rope at me and I can't help but grab it, right? So to me, it doesn't mean that I failed step seven. It just means that I'm more aware of that defect of my picking up the rope every time she throws it and that I'm humble enough to accept the fact that I picked it up and to try again to let go. To, to kind of like you guys were saying, to be okay with accepting myself that I didn't do it right the first time or the last 800 times it <laughs> happened, but I'm still going to try to change. I'm still going to try to do it differently.
0: Yeah, um, I know when, when when I got here, I was you know there's some defects that I, I still sort of liked.
3: <laughs>
0: shouldn't say that I don't know.
1: the program of honesty spencer (laughs) oh
0: you're right darn um and and then there were some that you know i wasn't again coming back to step six because i think a lot of the work in step seven for me is actually at step six that i i had fears about what would happen um you know if i if i had that defect removed um, what would happen in the process of it going away? What would what would be there when it was gone? And but what helped me, what helped me was recognizing that that I had shortcomings that had been removed or significantly lessened already, mm-hmm. and that I was definitely really not feeling their lack. And and for me the big one, and I know you guys like can't imagine this, but was was my rage.
2: Shenanigans, um, Spencer.
0: No shenanigans there, I'll <laughs> tell you what. I, I you know, I would offered a demo, but I'm not sure I could actually do it now. I don't think I have the, <laughs> the feeling there, you know, to um besides the microphones would all jump off the table and and uh, wouldn't be good. <laughs> and So I came into the program, I was full of rage. I didn't really know that I was full of rage when I came into the program. I didn't know what I was feeling. And as a result of working the program, um, coming to meetings, working the steps, I came to a significant lessening and, and eventually I don't do the rage thing anymore. I can still get... Loud and angry occasionally, but I don't do the rage thing. I don't explode. I don't scream and pound the table. I don't, you know, storm out of the room and slam the door so the pictures fall off the wall. I never punched a hole in a wall. I guess that's you know, everybody's got a got a bottom, and and I didn't reach that bottom. <laughs> 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 but who knows what would have happened if if uh, if I hadn't come here? And so so I had that example that without me consciously. Doing anything about it, without me trying to be less angry, trying to uh, try to be less angry. What? I mean, just think about that. If somebody said, "Oh, you just need to try to be less
1: angry," like that's going to work? I'd probably want to punch him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of defeats the the purpose. (laughs) I can't imagine you punching somebody in the face, Kelly.
2: (laughs) I feel like that's good stress relief. (laughs) Maybe it would work. (laughs) Maybe
0: we need to watch that video again. (laughs) All right. Um, You'll get that reference later if you listen to the end of the show. Um, Anyway, so I knew it wasn't anything that I had done, except work the program, you know, find a higher power, uh, make some sort of commitment to turn my will and my life over to what I understood as my higher power at the time, as much as I understood turning my will and my life over started doing an inventory and all that stuff and and what does that have to do with being angry i don't know <laughs> i don 't know, but for me, the process had worked and and having examples like that made it possible for me to believe that this step could work
2: actually, Spencer, while you were talking, I thought of a couple of things. Uh, one of the things was that um, before I worked the Program before I did step seven, I was all about binary, all about black and white. Uh, binary computer programming
1: joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Um, get it?
2: But <laughs> but uh, it, I think also for me, removal of defects isn't always a binary thing. It's not just oh, Swatha, you are bad now and good now. It's it's never. It, it's I don't think it's ever. Once I really worked the program with my sponsor and when i'm on program now i can see things not so much as good and bad or black and white but just gray area where i was and where i want to be and it's it's more like um it's progress <laughs> not um not just a sudden success and i'm there and i'll never need to change i don't think there's ever going to be a time when i'm just like that's it. This thing I'm just perfect at. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to wake up and be perfect at emotional intimacy or perfect at conflict resolution. I think it's a perpetual growing process. So that was one thing. And the other thing was that as we were talking, it, it kept coming up that we keep calling these things defects and it has such a, for me, such a negative connotation to it. Mm. And I don't think, I don't think that at least in my, <laughs> I don't think that at least in my understanding of the steps that it necessarily has to be a negative thing. But I have X, Y, and Z that needs to change about me right now because otherwise I'm broken. It's more just this is who I am. This causes me to not be able to maintain my serenity. If I change these things, I'm more likely to be serene. It's more like this is my this is what my priority is being serene. It used to be that my priority was controlling all the things, <laughs> and um, all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so when my priorities shifted through the process of the twelve steps, uh, when I shifted those priorities and really focused on my serenity being my number one priority, slowly everything else just started falling into line and. I'm constantly reminded when I don't prioritize my serenity that things will very quickly fall out of line. Hmm. And that these quote-unquote defects are helping me every single day and not in the way they used to sometimes, sometimes in the way they used to. I, I was at home for a very, very, very long weekend with my family. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Four days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have someone. How coincidental, Kelly. that I, too, have someone that pushes every button that I've ever had in my entire life, ever. Might
0: even be in the same relationship to you.
2: Huh? <laughs> maybe. maybe there's so many people in my family that do this. <laughs> but um, this person and I suddenly had this, it was just this big explosion out of nowhere. And I felt super overwhelmed. And I went to my age-old uh, tool of just shutting down and not... Being open to discussing. But even then, I was, I did something I've never done before. In that moment, I was able to have a moment of compassion for this person, make my amends for my part in it. And, and then I shut down, but I did did a few right things. (laughs) And then later, um, later she came to talk to me and I was so ready. Like normally it would be all raring to go for a fight or just completely shut down. But instead, I didn't do I, I, I mean, ideally, I would have liked to be in, have been in this like, super peaceful, calm, nurturing place where I'm like, oh, yes, love and sunshine and rainbows. Let's discuss this and talk about our feelings. But <laughs> How <laughs> do you do that? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't emotionally shut down or get into this aggressive argument either. I just said, I'm feeling a little angry and frustrated right now. I don't think it's a good time for me to talk. And it wasn't a black and white solution. I didn't do what I used to do, but I didn't do what I you know, ideally wanted to do. I didn't morph into the Dalai Lama. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was, <laughs> there was growth there. And that was, that was really good. And if I hadn't had my quote unquote defect, I wouldn't have had that, that journey to this, this continuous journey to get to maybe one day being closer to the Dalai Lama, <laughs> closer to being emotionally intimate, even in moments of fear or vulnerability. Yeah. That was, those are my
0: thoughts. So the word defect actually, you know, it doesn't appear in the seventh step. It says shortcomings, yeah. but one of the previous steps says defects. And, and I heard somebody quoting Bill W. about, well, why do you say defects and, and shortcomings and wrongs? And, and Bill allegedly said, well, I was taught when you write not to repeat words. They really all mean the same thing.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Um,
0: and, and, uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but what I, what I thought of when you started talking about, you know, they're not really defects or you don't see them all as defects. They're not something that's wrong with me. They're something that's bad about me. And I thought of the seven step prayer from, from, uh, the AA big book. In part, it says, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. So they're not, defects in the sense of uh, flaws. They're things that stand in the way of you being the person that you really want to be, the mm-hmm. person that you're intended to be. And when I think about it that way, it's, its well, it helps me to not feel so defective. <laughs> I don't know, Kelly?
1: Yeah, I've often heard them referred to in meetings as tools that no longer serve me. And I... feel like I can really relate to that description because, like Swayna said, I mean, codependents generally have a really easy time getting down on themselves. Like, we don't need a lot of help with that. So to to see a word like shortcomings, defects, it just has this, like, (laughs) uh, feeling to it. So, you know, to refer to it as something that, I mean, and and really they are. Those, Those are survival skills that we needed at one point to get through certain situations and now that we're out of that situation and moving forward and trying to make progress they just they don't work for me anymore so I'm trying to find different things and every once in a while you do fall back and it it feels weird you know when you start to use one of those tools that used to be so commonplace you know like you said like shutting down just used to be like the standard response. And so, you know, when you, when you fall back on one of those tools, it, it just starts to feel a little bit awkward. Like, wait, no, this isn't right. I'm supposed to be doing something else right now. (laughs) And then you can kind of pick from your arsenal of, you know, all of your other Al-Anon tools and slogans and, you know, all that good stuff to kind of fill in that gap there. Yeah.
0: yeah. It reminds me, uh, a little over a week ago when you were recording the previous episode or the, the day you were recording the previous episode, um, I was not here. I was several hundred miles away. And I was trying to exert control over the process. Um, you had finished recording, and I wanted to be able to download the episode onto my computer because I had a long drive ahead of me, and somebody else was going to be driving for at least half of it. And I thought, well, this would be a perfect opportunity to go in and edit the show. And I didn't have internet in my hotel room because they wanted to charge 20 bucks a day for it. Yeah, those you know, big fancy hotels, right? You know, the cheap hotels, you get free internet. But, I
1: never understand that.
0: Because uh, business travelers, they're, they're made of money, right? I guess. I don't know, you're a business traveler, you're not, right? Uh, uh, my <laughs>
1: company is not made of money. Yeah, right. Other ones may be. Um,
0: <laughs> anyway, so, so what I had to do was go you know, leech off a of Starbucks uh, wire, Wi-Fi. And, and the one in the hotel was really, really, really slow, at least when it was full of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was like worse than 3G. It was that slow. And so I went over to Starbucks like a block away, because it's a big city and there's Starbucks every block, and they had better, better internet there, and so I was sort of waiting for the, the show to be ready to download and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Sorry. No. <laughs> um, that's how it felt. Okay? <laughs> that's how it felt. Um, I'm, I'm expressing my personal um, experience here, um, and no judgment of anybody. I was <laughs> <laughs> trying
2: really hard to get it to you, Spencer. <laughs> yes, I know you were. I
0: absolutely know you were. And and the other thing that was supposed to be happening that evening was uh, the final banquet of this conference that I was at, and and I sort of wanted to go to that, and and that's a different story that I don't need to get into. But so eventually I was like, okay, I got to leave, I got to go go to the banquet, and um, and I hadn't been able to get a hold of Yusweta for whatever reason. And I don't get
2: any reception in my apartment. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that
0: explains it. And uh, and so as I was walking back to the hotel. This old behavior came up and just grabbed me because I had been just out of sorts all week, and and I finally understood why that was. And, and later, but this old behavior snuck up on me and ambushed me, and I started sending texts to Kelly saying, "I can't find Swaytha; she hasn't <laughs> uploaded the episode. Do you know what's going on here?" And and, and Kelly was mature enough, or something, to just ignore them. <laughs> um,
1: I feel like I probably physically shrugged when I read the text. Like I, I don't yeah. know where she is. She yeah. left my
2: house. So I don't so know. now
0: you know it's all out in the open. Spencer had a meltdown. A little Al-Anon relapse there, and uh, <laughs> um, reached for my drug of choice, which is other people. And uh, and you know I realized I mean sort of as I was doing it, like you said, it felt wrong. But I still did it.
1: Yeah,
0: I still did it. Um, and then you called me like two minutes later so then I had to text her and say, oh, well, found so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Can I delete those old texts? You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So the old behaviors do sneak up sometimes. Uh, how, do we, how do we ask for a gun to remove these defects of character? I mean, what have you done?
2: Um, I think I've, I've said out loud to myself especially when I knew I was going into a situation where I have a lot of old tools that are bubbling to the surface, I, I say, thy will not mind be done. Mm. And then something else I heard in a meeting, uh, someone once said when she's freaking out or stressed out or worried, um, something she asks herself is, where is God in this? Uh, or where is my higher power in this? What is my higher power trying to teach me? And I just give myself a moment to... Mull over what, like, do a quick fourth step right there, and um, think about all the things I'm feeling, what it's bringing up, and and ask God for help, and just say, please, please help me not do X, Y, and Z. And if I do X, Y, and Z, that's okay. I know it's the right. I know it's
1: Your will, not mine. Yeah. What about you guys?
2: You
0: were looking through the book there. You had something to say.
1: Yeah. So. Um, for me, I was given a suggestion by my sponsor and the program tells me that I'm supposed to follow a suggestion. So I do. Um, she suggested something that she does, which is every morning when she wakes up, she reads from, uh, from the AA big book, the third step and seven step prayers. So, um, I just wanted to read them both back to back. Um, it, it's, it's kind of lengthy to try to do when you're having like a moment. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's it's a really good way to just start the day. Because a lot of times when I wake up, the wheels are spinning. And there's a lot like, you know, the second I open my eyes, there's already things going on, like panic about stuff I need to do. And I didn't finish this yesterday, whatever. So if I can start with this, it it sort of mellows me out. And then it also gives me like a reminder to come back to throughout the day. So the third step prayer is, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And then just to reiterate, the seventh step prayer is, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness, to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Sometimes, you know, I might have to shorten that, maybe just to uh, God help. <laughs>
0: I like help. That I've used that one. It's like, <sighs> help.
1: <laughs> right. I can't remember all those fancy words, so, you know, just get down to the bottom line here is help.
0: Yep, the first essential prayer. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: According to Anne Lamott. (laughs) We need a link to that book again.
1: I think it is on the website. Yeah. I think it is.
0: Link from the show notes.
1: Yeah. So, something you mentioned earlier, Spencer, though, was... Why... Why God has to be involved with the removal of defects?
0: Hmm. Okay, yeah, and... So I was having a discussion with a friend recently about about this and and actually I was I attended an open AA meeting maybe a month ago now and it was a book study meeting and the paragraphs under study that evening were the three paragraphs in the big book about step 6 and 7 and then they had um, an asket basket where people would put questions in a basket and then the person leading the meeting would pull the questions out and read them and then whoever wanted to could could address the question. I'm not going to say answer because everybody's got their own answer, right? And the first question out of the basket was, if I'm an atheist, who removes my defects of character? It engendered some really interesting discussion, um, ranging from people saying, well, you can't be an atheist and be an AA, to I'm an atheist and the steps worked for me. And everything in between.
1: <laughs> kind of a confusing message?
0: <laughs> it was it was kind of um exciting, exhilarating, um confusing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but so my friend is having trouble, has has had trouble uh, in the program with with the God concept and is now at step six and you know, shortly coming into step seven, hopefully, and is is facing this question. If I don't believe in God, how do I do step six and seven? And, you know, I had a couple of thoughts on that, and one of those is just, you know, falling back to experience. Like, things have changed that you haven't made happen. Also, I I mean... I think a place that I was at probably the first time through um, step six and seven was where I was viewing still um, sort of the meeting, the people as my higher power certainly was a power greater than me. It was definitely a lot wiser than me was that if I'm open and if I'm humble and I listen and I speak my truth and listen to everybody else's truth. That that can come into me. And. You know. Whether it's my subconscious. Whether it's God. Make changes. In the way that I think. Which can lead to changes in the way that I act. Um, but why does God have to be involved? Well. You know. I have tried. I have tried to change things. And. It mostly doesn't work for me. Okay. I'm enough trouble, like going to the gym and exercising regularly, let <laughs> alone trying to change some deeply ingrained behavior like procrastination <laughs> or removing a fear. You ever tried to just take a fear and like pull it out of your head? So it's not there anymore. It doesn't work for me. So I have to, I have to reach to something outside myself. And as with the removal of my rage, which happened through no agency of mine, I have found that I can appeal to my higher power as imperfectly as I understand my higher power um, for that help. I don't know. So I
2: I think for me, step seven is a lot about um, giving up control, uh, which is it's just a lot of the steps I think are just repeats of the same first three steps. (laughs) My life's unmanageable. (laughs) I can't do it. Please do it for me or please help me out. And that's, I think what the seventh step is largely about for me is that I, that I accept that my life's unmanageable and that I need help and that I need to reach out to, to a higher power and that I don't always know what that higher power is. Actually, while you were talking about the rage, Spencer, Uh, I remember you saying, I have no idea of what doing the 12 steps has to do with my rage, but my rage is gone. It worked. And I thought, um, I was thinking about that. I said something like this to a friend of mine when I was in the program at the beginning. I was like, oh, that defect's (laughs) garnish garnish <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i didn't engage in that behavior this time i wonder what happened and i tried to like sit there and like chart out exactly what you know what happened and my I friend i
0: visualize go- <laughs> you doing
2: that <laughs> <laughs> color coded tabs and all <laughs> and my my friend goes dude 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 stop it doesn't matter how you got there it's the, the point is that you got there Just, mm-hmm. you don't have to sit here and fixate on every little thing then you go back <laughs> and you take two steps back. Mm-hmm. And higher power actually is complicated for me. I think higher power, that moment, at any given moment, my higher power is what I need it to be. I mean, it's, I mean if I'm, I don't need a million dollars right now, um, but God, it would be awesome if <laughs> my higher power is exactly what I needed it to be and I needed it to be a million dollars. But um, my higher power is what I I need it to be, not necessarily what I want it to be. And sometimes I can, it's really hard for me to subscribe to that, um, you know, floating dude in the sky or uh-huh. my, uh, I was raised in a particular religion and my family's idea of God, but I, uh, there's this, there's this comedian slash actor, I, I think you guys probably know him, Russell Brand, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up with this, well, he wrote this Thing in an article, and I thought, oh, that—that's spot on. And it was talking about higher power. And he says, um, you cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with a relationship with a higher entity. Think of yourself as a manifestation of some higher thing, some higher frequency. This is the visible realization, and you know that because you can't see atoms, can you? You certainly can't see the forces that hold atoms together. They're in the micro-quantum world. There in the micro-quantum world lie the answers to everything. We can't understand it with our logical, rational minds, but we feel it intuitively. Get yourself in alignment with that stuff, and you beam like the sun. And, um, yeah, I have no rational... I, I I think one of my sponsees was talking to me about higher power and defining higher power, and I was like... Fuck! (laughs) Because I kept wanting to do like this logical, like bust out Microsoft PowerPoint and show her pie charts and like bar graphs and diagram it all out, but I can't. I it's just it's just something I feel intuitively, and intuitively it's what I need in any given moment. And um, before the program, uh, when I came to a situation, I would come in and I would know that it was on an intuitive level. I would know that I'm. I'm screwed. So before the program, I would just come to this a moment and I'd be like, "Oh crap, here we go." Now, now that I'm in program and trying to practice program, I come to the same situations and I think I'm screwed. <laughs> but then I move the step past that and ask for help. I didn't know I'm screwed with step one <laughs> 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 and that there was this, and the realization that I can ask for some for help outside of myself or. To a higher power was step two, and then actually asking for that help was step three. Yeah, actually, have you guys? I'm sure you guys have heard this. You guys have been in the program for much longer than I have. Have you guys heard? You the, never know <laughs> the orange frog. No. No. What? <laughs> no. No orange frog. Okay, well, let's do this. <laughs> um, they uh, somebody was telling. I was I was listening to an open talk, and it's apparently um, before you come to the program, everyone's a green frog, and once you're in program. You turn into an, an orange frog, and um, then you can never go back. You can never unorange yourself. So, even if you relapse, even if you even if you go back to drinking, if you go back to control obsessions, it never feels the same way because now you're an orange frog. Right. And that's that's just that's what I was thinking while while you were mentioning that earlier, Kelly. But I was like, oh, they're gonna talk about orange frog any second now. <laughs> <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> Yeah,
1: gotta
0: gotta remain teachable here, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I was thinking about what you said, Spencer. You didn't specifically say it this way, but you kind of alluded to it. The idea of mind over matter—that if I could use the idea of mind over matter to get rid of you know anger or whatever defect I have, I would have done it already. You know, I mean, I think before we come into the program. A lot of us have that gift of desperation, and we've tried everything we can think of to fix our alcoholic, to fix us, to fix our life, to control and change and modify. And so if we could have gotten rid of any defects, I'm sure we would have tried <laughs> whatever possible options. Um, Except for meetings.
2: Except for meetings. Yeah,
1: that's the last one on the list. Um, and something that I often heard in the beginning that didn't necessarily make sense to me until I needed it, but I heard a lot of people use the phrase act as if. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I know a lot of our listeners know that, you know, I don't think any of us came to the program with a with a predefined higher power, but I understood that. My lack of acceptance of a higher power would be a major roadblock for my continuing. I mean, you, you can't really move past step three unless you've come to some sort of acceptance of, of two and three, I think of, you know, accepting our higher power and, and acknowledging that it has some sort of part in our life. And so I don't think I really believed in the beginning entirely. But I used that phrase, act as if, because that was the best I could do at the time, you know. And the other thing that sort of made sense to me around the idea of God, too, was that I saw tons of other people in meetings who believed. They didn't all have the same belief. They all believed something completely different, actually. And they are all happy and serene and leading successful lives and... You know, this, this acceptance did not mean that they had to give up on the idea of science entirely. You know, this black or white thinking, like they, they could, they could do both. They could accept a higher power and still believe everything else that they had believed before. And something, Swetha, that you mentioned about it doesn't matter how you got to the point of change. Um, I had always heard this example of, the flat tire, and I don't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast before. Orange frogs, flat tires. We got all know, kinds I of good. Know. Wow, it's
0: all new to me. So an orange flat tire.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that it matters what color it is. Actually, it can be orange. Um, that if you're driving along and you get a flat tire, sort of the initial compulsion is to pull over, get out of the car. And walk back down the road to see what caused the flat tire. Like, what did I run over? Was Is there something stuck in my tire? Was it a nail? But ultimately, and I, I use this example a lot with my sponsees, is that it doesn't freaking matter what you ran over what caused the flat tire. The point is you have a flat tire and you need to do something to move forward. Otherwise, you're just <laughs> going to sit there on the side of the road forever. So yeah, that sometimes, you know, these changes happen, we don't know how they happen. And we could spend forever looking back in time trying to figure out, you know, what did my higher power do to make this frustrating defect go away? <laughs> but I will never know. I will never know. So I can just be grateful that it's gone or somewhat removed or partially dissolved or whatever, <laughs> gone-ish. gone-ish, thank you, <laughs> and uh, and keep moving forward. So,
0: I've often heard people say, I have to do my part. Hmm. I have to do my part in in removing this, this defect, these defects. Um, what does that mean to you?
2: For me, it goes back to a lot uh, to what Kelly was saying, uh, act as if. Um, I heard it, as fake it till you make it, I really liked that better because it rhymed and it's really easy to remember. Um, act as if sounds so formal and official. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I want to do for that I mentioned earlier is work on being able to work on my emotional intimacy and be able to do that with um, with loved ones and family members. If I walk around perpetually shut down from them and they're talking to me, I'm just smiling and nodding and not doing anything. I'm just continuing to engage in that defect. I'm not doing my part. I can't just continue doing the exact same behavior and be like, oh, one day there's going to be a flip switched on. And maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I'm not doing my part. So my emotional intimacy issues are not gone by any stretch of the imagination ever at all. I can't stress that enough. But I, I go to meetings. I... um I talk to my sponsor, I do step work, um, and I think about how I want to be. I think about what I feel like would give me more serenity in those situations. Is it talking about my feelings? Is it talking about the fact that I need space? Whatever that is, however that manifests in my mind, I try to act as if the defect has been removed. It doesn't always work. Most of the time for right now, it doesn't work. Hopefully someday it'll work more than it doesn't work. That's that's what it is. I think for me doing my part is acting as if that defect has been removed, acting as if my serenity is my priority and in doing so behaving in ways that prioritize my serenity. And sometimes I I relapse into my old controlling behaviors and sometimes I don't. And one day if if the past year and some change has been any indication, one day, uh, the days I relapse into those old behaviors start uh, being far, far less than the number of days I I engage in the newer behaviors.
1: Kelly? So, I was thinking, as Swetha was talking again, about the idea of black and white thinking that—so, I can misinterpret it either way, that uh, God needs to do all the work and get rid of the defects, and, you know, I made my list, and now I just get to sit back and relax— and before the program, I could really easy, easily misinterpret it as I'm going to make this list and I'm going to put them in, you know, order of importance. Most important, I'm going to get rid of that one first, and then we'll kind of work our way down to the little minutia that don't really matter. Um, is nodding, so I know she's thought of that process also.
2: <laughs> Got to have the list. Oh, yeah.
1: When she said ordering, I was like, Yep. That's it. That's the stuff, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's why both, you know, both components are mentioned in the step. You know, I have to do my part too. And and for me, for me, my part involves a lot of different things. Um, It definitely involves prayer and meditation for sure. It involves getting out of, as Spencer would say, the bad neighborhood that is my head. (laughs) And, and just, stepping back from all that stuff because i can't think clearly when i'm in the middle of the chaos you know when i when i step back and look at it from the outside i can sort of pick it apart and figure out like okay what can i really deal with and what can't i so definitely prayer and meditation absolutely step work phone calls i mean anything that gets me outside of myself because a lot of times for me The defect, most of the time, the defect is not removed because I put any sort of focus or attention on it. You know, the defect is removed because I get away from it. You know, I do other things. I do all these counterintuitive things that when people said, work the steps, that's what helped me. It's like, what? That sounds crazy. (laughs) I I can't imagine sitting down and writing down answers to questions is going to help get rid of, you know, my frustration and my alcoholic. But... All those counterintuitive things really are what helped. And, you know, part of it is I have that ability to, you know, turn nothing into this monumental tragic circumstance in my head if I just sit with it long enough, you know, catastrophize. Somebody (laughs) in our meeting uses the phrase catastrophize. So I can do that really easily, and all of those Tasks like step work and calling people and talking, meeting with sponsees, even when I'm busy, you know, all those things that I think, how is this going to help me? It always does. So, again, I don't know how it works, Spencer. I just do it, I just follow direction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the phrase, acting my way into right thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, just do it. Just do it. So I was listening to a speaker tape by uh, Joe and Charlie, who I I think are fairly well-known in AA circles, and they were talking about Step 6 and 7 and about how, in their opinion, Step 6 and 7 were where the real recovery in the program started, despite the fact that there are only three paragraphs about it in the book. And I hadn't really ever heard that notion before. And one of them, and I can never tell which one is which, they sort of trade off talking. You know, one of them talks for a little while, other one talks for a little while. And I know one of them's Joe, and one of them's Charlie, and sometimes I think I know which is which. But, <laughs> so one of them, anyway, getting back to the story, was talking about practicing new behavior. Mm-hmm. says, so you know, God removes your shortcoming, but he doesn't give you, he doesn't make you change. And you have to practice the new behavior. And I sort of got that. And then I actually came to that place in, in my life where I was dealing with a fear and I, I finally was able to, to own that fear, to admit it to God, myself and another human being, to Except that I had it and be ready for it to be gone, to be ready to face whatever was going to happen as it was going away, and asked for help. And what happened was kind of amazing. You know, my behavior didn't change, but the fear, not completely gone, but, but a lot less. Now I can choose to do the behavior that the fear was preventing me from doing. Or I can choose to keep on going the old way. (laughs) And sometimes I choose one, and sometimes I choose the other. And every time I choose the new way, it gets a little bit easier. And I am able to say to myself, why do I keep doing this old thing? (laughs) Because this really is easier. Um, But it's a habit, and and you have to practice And and I think what it is there is and, and he probably said this in better words, but that the defect is not the behavior. The defect is what's in me that led to the behavior in the first place. The behavior is a habit, hmm. and so when the defect is removed, I can start practicing new habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked that that way of looking at it. Um, you know, there's this question here that I looked at this and I'm like, what? <laughs> says, why would God remove all of my defects? Isn't God the one that gave all of them to me in the first place? I think Swetha put that question in. <laughs> Just going to me a, on the
2: podcast, huh, Spencer? Do you, do you, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So I thought maybe you'd have something to say about it.
2: Um, Yeah, actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, I, by the way, there was an earlier podcast, I can't remember which one, and I wrote a question down where I was like, you know, this is a really good question. I hope Spencer and Kelly have great answers to this so I can learn from them by the end of the podcast. And um, I'll piggyback off their answers. And you read the question, you're like, oh, Swaytha's question, well, what do you think, Swaytha? And I was like, <laughs> 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 Can I go last? <laughs> right? <laughs> I was prepared this time, I knew you'd do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> my answer to this is... Uh, kind of goes back to an earlier answer I had, that that defects is such a negative word. I think for me, just from a spiritual perspective, I think for me, my higher power, the universe, really, um, has provided me all of these quote-unquote defects to give me these opportunities for my for my soul to grow in those ways that... Somewhere along the way, I, I put out this intention to the universe that I wanted to grow in X, Y, and Z ways, and, um, and the universe gave me these defects and said, well... Let's do this. <laughs> um, it's kind of like thinking, I, I remember one time my sister bought this really cool umbrella, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about using this umbrella and then it was like this pouring thunderstorm outside, and um at the time, I hated thunderstorms. now I read really scary books at the time, but um <laughs> at the time, I was like, Ugh, this is such b s But it was an opportunity for her to use her umbrella and um uh, or recently. Maybe not that recently, I uh I crashed my car into a pillar. I shared about that in a meeting. I crashed my car into a pillar, and I, I I remember just that week talking to my sponsor and a couple of people about the fact that I shame myself a lot and I I down on myself all the time. And and I my, so I think my sponsor told me to to pray about it, pray and meditate, and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Why should I pray and meditate? It's not gonna help me with the shame. But as usual, she was right. Uh, I prayed about it. I took her suggestion and I got into a car accident that I completely caused by, not, by being a little careless. And my defect there was that I was careless, but it gave me an opportunity for me to accept myself rather than shame myself. And my defect for that moment was gone. Mm. So I don't think it's really for me a matter of, Swetha, you are wrong in... This list of ways, all of these things you put on your inventory, it means you're a bad person. You need to fix them in order to be a good person. It's more that, I I think for me, it's more that the universe is just like, Swetha, you said this is what you wanted. Let me help you get there. These are, Mm -hmm. here are your opportunities to get there.
0: Oh, (laughs) and they're both opportunities. Yes.
2: Widely used phrase lately. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. one of those things is patience i I'm really, really bad at patience, and um step seven, I think I don't think we really touched on this that much, but there's so much patience involved in telling and and just letting go when asking my higher power to hum- humbly asking my higher power to remove my defects of character and then letting them be removed in their own time, as opposed to checking my watch every ten seconds going, well. It's about that time. Someone's late. <laughs> I'm not going to say who. God, <laughs> but I think you know. <laughs> it's really letting go and just trust. I think my patience comes from fearing that my meat needs won't be met, and this is an opportunity for me to just trust that everything's going to happen in its own time and it's going to. I'm going to have everything that I need met, even if it's, even if I want something else. So yeah, that's. Hmm. That's why I don't think my God, I don't think my higher power would just remove all of them. Like, oh, you're perfect now. Congratulations. You've graduated.
0: It's a much better answer than I had, which is I don't think God put them there. I think I oh. put them there.
2: <laughs> um,
0: I, I, I like that. It's sort of a know, karma thing or something. I, don't know.
1: Hmm. I was just going to say my first sponsor was very spiritual, and she sort of convinced me of this idea that. And I know you're going to disagree with me, Spencer, mm-hmm. that there, <laughs> just because we've had this discussion before, that there is this grand plan for me, you know, that everything in my life happens for a reason. And it's, it's basically like Swayta said, you know, and that, that would have been my response too, is that it's all there for me to learn from, you know, it's there, it serves a purpose. And I was always taught to ask the question when I'm in a frustrating situation, what am I meant to learn from this? what is the lesson here? And so I always try to take that away. And um, strangely enough, our topic in a couple weeks is compassion. And I am really, really struggling to have compassion lately for my main qualifier. So <laughs> lately, kind of kind of, as Swaythe pointed out, lately, I've had a barrage of uh, situations in which I've had the opportunity to practice compassion for my alcoholic <laughs> and have not done so very successfully at all. I will be honest about that. Um, crash and burn moments, people. <laughs> so um, so I'm going to keep getting those situations until I can figure out a better way to handle this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think – to to me, the reason that um, that I have them in the first place is is to learn from.
0: You know what? I'm gonna not disagree with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then you just, she learned a lesson about expectations. Just to be.
1: <laughs> 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 no, because because
2: <laughs>
0: damn it,
1: the, the way. Oh come on! Another fucking growth opportunity. <laughs>
0: All right. Should we cut that out? <laughs> no, because what I said, what I said when when we had this discussion before is that um, I don't have a puppet master God. I don't have a God that controls everything, and I I think I did say that often when I hear people say, well, I know that there's a reason this happened, and because everything happens for a reason, I I probably did say, no, I don't believe that. But the idea that my higher power, God, puts situations in front of me so that I can grow and learn is one that I actually can get totally on board with because it happens so many times. (laughs) In many ways, I'm a very slow learner. And I tell you what, the last several weeks I've been learning a lot (laughs) through those um, growth opportunities. Yeah, I
2: think we're all slow learners. That's why it's not the one-step program. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'll be done. Uh, Yeah, that didn't work. I really didn't think it was going to take me 12 weeks. Uh,
1: So, um, any last thoughts
0: about step seven?
1: Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly.
0: (laughs) Always the apropos word. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it it keeps coming around for me, and it's about asking for help. It really is about asking for help.
2: Hmm. I think when I was doing Step 7, uh, I constantly wrote down on my, on my wrist, which I do all the time. Usually, um, I wrote down, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) And, uh, that meant I I applied that to whether I did something correct, quote unquote correctly or quote unquote incorrectly, and it's all going to be okay.
0: Today's reminder is God knows exactly what I need and has already given it to me. My job is to keep it simple and to ask for God's help in relieving me of the extra stuff, the shortcomings that keep me tied down. After a short break, we'll be back with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Uh, Swetha, what's our song?
2: Uh, the next song is Hanging by a Moment uh, by Lifehouse. I really, really like Lifehouse. I don't know if I mentioned this a million times before on the podcast. <laughs> I, the lines that really spoke to me here were Desperate for changing, starving for truth, Closer where I started chasing after you. And that just screamed step seven to me.
0: Desperate for changing Starving
3: for truth I'm closer to where I started I'm chasing after you I'm falling
2: even more in love with you Letting go of all I've held on to I'm standing here until you make me your invitation you take
0: section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week so you want to start
2: sure so this past week I did not make it to any meetings but um, I, I did a lot of a lot of 10th uh, um, step uh, that's uh, taking inventory uh, continuing to take personal inventory and making amends wherever necessary some fourth steps, which was a lot as a more in depth inventory um, made some amends, <laughs> practiced a lot of program. I also have been trying to um take a sponsor suggestion my sponsor suggestion and uh pray more so usually when i in the absence of meetings um it's really nice i get uh that that people call me and reach out to me, and I get to uh, be of service to them. And that helps me a lot when I'm not going to meetings, praying. I didn't realize it would help me, but it does. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's it. That's all I think for my spiritual week.
1: What about you, Kelly? Well, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I spent about eight and a half hours in the car each day. So <clears throat> I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts, which is awesome. Um, I also did something that I haven't done in a while because normally I don't drive for that long of a stretch, I sent out an email to a bunch of people that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I sort of set them up like every other hour, scheduled a time when I could talk to somebody. So I spent a lot of time um, during that drive. I don't know, I don't want to use the word reconnecting because I don't know if that's totally correct, but conversing, I guess, with sponsees who I don't, I just don't see as much anymore. Um, Their schedule doesn't Work to come to the same meetings that they used to go to. They've moved away, et cetera, et cetera. So that's always really helpful um, because, you know, when you're driving in the car by yourself for long periods, your mind tends to wander a little bit and uh, it can go some pretty crazy places. So it <laughs> helps keep me on track oh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm doing something fairly healthy focused. Also went to a meeting Wednesday night and it was a first step talk, which some people I, I have heard do not care for that particular week. Um, it is a half-hour lead, so there's less available time for shares afterwards. But I really like that week because there are so many different ways that people share about the first step. Some people use the AA format, which is to talk about what it was like, what happened to bring them to the program, and what their life is like now. Um, some people talk about more uh, the first step in terms of, you know, proper language, like reading the step out of the book and just talking about what it means to them. And so somebody that I have recently started to get to know better gave the lead. And it was just a really interesting perspective on her life and some things that I didn't know and some things that I did know already that she sort of revealed to the group. And I don't know. I just always really appreciate her shares because they are very intimate and honest. You know, I don't ever feel like she's making up a story for the benefit of the meeting. You know, it's, it's always the real hard truth. And I love that about her. So it was it was a great lead. It was a really great way to set myself up for the, as Swetha said, long, 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 long family weekend. <laughs> And um, now I'm at the podcast, which is uh, helping turn around my mental state after that weekend. So, yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: Well, um, you know, it's been, well, three weeks since I've been here. Since my last confession. <laughs> 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 it was a rough, it was a rough three weeks. Um, I made some decisions that left me in an uncomfortable mental place just before I traveled. So I was out of my element, I was away from my meetings, I was away from my normal support group, and I was off balance to start. As you can imagine, things didn't go uphill from there. Um, Swayha so knows she got a lot of phone calls from me.
2: <laughs> Thank you for that, Spencer. I really appreciate yeah. it no
0: i actually I really loved the fact that every time I called or you called, we both had something <laughs> yeah.
3: that we
0: needed to to talk to the other person about it. It yeah. was a perfect example of how the program really works for 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 both people in in that sort of conversation, but this week. This week, from Sunday to Sunday, I went to five meetings.
1: Wow. It's impressive.
0: Well, I had been gone for a week, so I hadn't had any meetings for a week, and I got back. I literally I drove into town at seven o'clock in a friend's car, stopped at his house, picked up my car and drove straight to a meeting, Sunday night, because I needed it. I knew I needed it. Monday morning, I woke up and I realized why I had been, as they say, restless, irritable, and discontent for a lot of the previous week. Is was because um, during that week, I was at a conference for a hobby that, that I've been doing for about 30 years. And I realized that I really wasn't into it anymore. the The workshops didn't excite me. I would look at the list and say, well, I don't care about that. And I don't care about that. And I don't care about that. I guess I'll go to this one. It'll probably be interesting. And and so Monday morning I woke up and realized that I was grieving. That I was grieving this loss. And and as I thought about that, I I, I went and I picked up this book that had been on my bookshelf for several years um, called Opening Our Hearts, Transforming Our Losses. It's a, an LNN-approved, uh, conference-approved literature. And I had started reading it when I bought it. Because, you know, it looked like an interesting book. It's got a nice colorful cover on it and all that. <laughs> and uh, and when I bought it and I started reading it, it just didn't, didn't really speak to me. And so I put it away. And Monday morning, when I realized that I was grieving, I needed to, I went and I picked it up. I said, I know exactly what I need to look at. And, and I started reading it. But I, I started reading, like, just the introduction. Here we are. And I read this. I am invited to grieve with every change in life. Often I ignore the invitation deciding the particular changes no big deal or telling myself I can handle this. Sometimes the culmination of all the little changes I haven't addressed hits me all at once. I find myself overreacting to a person or situation, becoming depressed or just irritable. And I read that and I just burst out sobbing. I was sitting at the breakfast table reading a book and I just started sobbing. And I cried for about five minutes. Thought, okay, did that, felt that feeling. (laughs) Time to go to work now. (laughs) Well, I went to work and I was, guess what? Still restless, irritable and discontent. Um, not to mention having come back from a two week vacation and being thrust, I was thrust into a meeting right after lunch where I was supposed to tell everybody how we were going to solve some particular problems. Needless to say, I wasn't ready. And I wasn't in a place where I could just fake it. And I tanked that meeting. I took that meeting and drove it into the ground. I had to make some amends afterwards. And my boss came down at the end of the day and said, Spencer, what happened in that meeting? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's really bad if he like somebody went to him and told him the meeting. Oh my God. And I said, you know, I wasn't prepared. I screwed up. But the program also gives me the opportunity to start over so so that night I went to a meeting. I'm like, I need a meeting, I gotta go to a meeting <laughs> and uh you know the next day things were better, but it it what i what I came to see was that I really had had gone through all of the steps in a very short time, well not all of them, but up through step seven, which is why it's actually relevant to this art today that you know I had to. Admit that I was powerless over this grief, you know, break down sobbing. I mean, I kind of like was trying not to do that. And finally, I said, no, let it out. I am powerless. That I need to feel this. Um, I really had realized that I couldn't deal with it myself and that, you know, my higher power could. And I had to figure out what it was, what it was that I was grieving. I mean I knew the one thing, but there were some other things that that came out actually over the next couple of days as I talked to people. Some of them for a really long time. And they're all these like these little things. And I'm just, oh, it's okay. just, you know, put it in the back of my head. It's not gonna bother me. <laughs> and it sort of all came together and with that one thing it came out. I talked to people. I talked about it. I said, This you know, this is this is what I'm grieving. I had to do that fifth step. I had to bring it out in the open. I had to say it. I had to you know, I'm only as sick as my secrets, and as long as I'm holding a secret, I'm still sick. Um, I had to become ready for it to be gone, and then I had to ask for it to be gone. And what God did was he didn't remove the grief. But what he removed was the control that the grief was having over me. So I still feel it. It comes up and down, as grief does. Uh, but it's not, it's not grabbing me and, and dragging me down with it anymore. Um, so it was a really really great experience in the learning sense to have right before we're going to talk about step seven (laughs) (laughs) here it is step seven working in my life today Um, so yeah I mean I went to meetings and mostly I talked about what was going on in my life so um, I mean I got stuff out of it we had a good meeting about step seven on Friday Mm -hmm. so that's it for me um Next week, next week, we are excited. Um, we've been invited to participate in a joint sponsorship roundtable with the Recovered Podcast. So we're going to be recording both podcasts together um, and then posting them both um, on our on our separate streams. So this roundtable will include members of several different 12-step programs, and I'm, I'm sure we'll find some similarities in how we do sponsorship, and I'm sure we'll also find differences in... I'm looking forward to some lively discussion. So this roundtable will be episode 32 of The Recovery Show. It will be episode 425 of Recovered. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We can only aspire, and I certainly have no expectation. Um, Maybe we'll get there, maybe we won't. And then so the following week, because of the format of the, the show next week, we're probably not going to have an opportunity to talk about um, our normal podcast news here. So the following week, episode 33, we'll be talking about compassion and uh, how that has worked in our lives, um, how the program has helped us to find compassion. Um, how do you find compassion for the person you think is ruining your life? That's, that was a really hard question for me at the beginning, and, and the program kept telling me I should. Hmm. So we welcome your thoughts on this. We got a couple of weeks, uh, through July 21st, I think is probably when we're recording it to 2013. So if you want to call in, email, use the voicemail button on the website to, to get a hold of us. Let us know what you think. Um, And uh, Swetha, how can people send us feedback? I just sort of alluded to that, but go.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of Step 7 or next week's topic of compassion. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Kelly, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show?
1: They can go to our website, therecoveryshow.com, and that has all of the information about the show, including notes for each episode. Has a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to where we periodically post recordings of Al Anon Open Talk speakers. We also have a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. And there are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. A couple of examples are that you can leave comments on the blog you can take a look at our suggested topic list if you see a topic that you would like to have covered you can leave a comment there to vote it up if you don't see the topic you're interested in let us know send us an email and we will add it to the list and incorporate it as soon as we can and we're always looking for music suggestions we have a page with a few that we've received so far it's under the topic ideas on the menu at the top of the website And if you're feeling inspired or ambitious, you can contribute a guest meditation or a meditation prompt, which is usually a quote or song lyric. If you would like the meditations emailed to you daily, click on the email button at the top right corner of the page to sign up and we will send those to you every day. And you can just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Hey, Spencer, do we have any voicemails, emails, or comments this week?
0: Hey, we sure do. But you know what? Let's listen to Flood by Jars of Clay first. What I like about this song, it, it really um, gave me this impression of uh, higher power um, helping me out of, out of my, um, my shortcomings, out of my difficulties. Uh, some lyrics here that really spoke that message to me. But if I can't swim after 40 days, and my mind is crushed by thrashing waves, Lift me up so high that I cannot fall. Lift me up. Lift me up when I'm falling. Lift me up, I'm weak and I'm dying. Lift me up, I need you to hold me. Lift me up, keep me from drowning again.
1: Rain, rain on my face.
2: Hasn't stopped raining for days. My world is a flood. Slowly I become. One with the mud. But if I can't swim after
0: 40 days. So we've got some email here. Uh, Kelly, you want to read Elizabeth's?
1: Sure. Elizabeth says, Hi, I love your podcast. Just discovered it. I'm telling all my friends about it. Thank you, Elizabeth. They're all in some 12-step program, but I believe Al-Anon is at the core of all of our stuff. I agree with you on that. I was wondering if you could consider doing a show related to trust. I grapple with jealousy big time. My boyfriend is a recovered love sex addict, and I'm really finding it difficult to trust him even though he has done nothing to spark it. In fact, he's been pretty understanding, but I know it's just a matter of time before he gets too tired to deal with it. I'm powerless over it. I know that for sure. I'm also bent on self-sabotaging this very wonderful six-month-long relationship My first real one in sobriety. I'll have 10 years sober from alcohol and drugs in September. Congratulations, Elizabeth. I'm 50 years old, so the fact that this is the first real relationship I've been in, not drunk, etc., is humbling. I try to control the situation by, uh, by, A, assuming he is cheating and trying to prove it. Or be stalking his Facebook female friends, because I feel if I just keep an eye on how much he's interacting with them, I will be in the know and therefore not humiliated when something does go down. It's very strange. It's driven me into Al-Anon. I think we've all done the, the Facebook stalking, Elizabeth. At least I know I have, so I can relate to that. Thank you again. Love listening, Elizabeth.
0: Okay, thanks, Elizabeth, for writing in. And uh, we got um, a voicemail from Christine who had an interesting suggestion.
3: Hi, my name is Christine. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all that you guys do with the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm driving around a lot for work, and I can listen to it on the go. And I have a suggestion. I do really enjoy some of the songs that you guys pick to play on the podcast. And I was wondering, maybe somebody had already thought of it, but if there's a way, or maybe there is a way, and I just don't know about it, to make a link onto your um, page so that you guys might be able to benefit from it. I don't know if there's a way to do that. Um, If, say, I were to like the song you played and then go to your website and then click somewhere to download it from there, because it's almost like advertising that you guys are doing in a way. Just an idea. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Take care. Bye.
0: Thanks, Christine. And um, so the way I I understood that suggestion is to put links of the songs we play to where you could go to buy them. And so I tried that with uh, last week's episode. I put up links to the um, songs that were in last week's episode to uh, Amazon.com. There's a link to the song itself. You can download it as an MP3. There's also a link to the album or one of the albums that the song's on. In the case of Nine to Five, it's on several albums. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I hope that's what you were suggesting, and uh, it seems like a good idea. We'll keep doing it. And uh, since it's an Amazon link, we we have our Amazon affiliate, and we actually might get a little bit of you know a few cents if you download a song. So thanks. And um, uh, we've got a uh, comment from Barbara on uh, meditation. And I think it's meditation that I wrote. So why don't I read it? And uh, the, the meditation was called feeling. It was uh, sometime last week. Well, it was right after the grief thing came to light, so Tuesday. Uh, and uh, I I put a song on there, uh, Nina Simone singing the song Feeling, or Feelings. And she writes, Nina Simone's introduction to this song is true art, blessed art that brings freedom on this Independence Day. I think she must have posted this on July 4th. Huh? I remember hearing comedians making fun of this song, and it became a joke to me. I couldn't hear the truth in it. She blasted that right away. In recovery, I must come out of living life as a robot. I must agree with her. Quote, I do not believe the conditions that produced a situation that demanded a song like that. Mm -hmm. Probably the reason I cried through my Al-Anon meetings for the first six months is related to the way I had to perform as a robot in my work life while our family was imploding. The feelings just have to be addressed. I must do the work. Thank you for sharing this. And uh, I, I really got to agree about that that song. Uh, we had some topic suggestions. Um, Swayth, you want to read those?
2: Sure. Um, it reads, Hi, I want to thank you for these wonderful podcasts. I find useful tips in your show, and I always enjoy your sincerity and sense of humor. The topic I would like to add to your list is self-care. You mentioned it in episode 30, Program in the Workplace. I would like to hear more about that. A couple of song suggestions, Hard to Love by Lee Bryce and Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. Thanks again, Holly.
0: We had another meditation comment with a topic suggestion. Barbara says she'd like a meeting on my Al-Anon birthday slash recovery day slash serenity day. And also a meeting on the importance or value of face-to-face meetings. So she's got a couple of suggestions there. You know, Barbara, I call it my surrender day. I certainly didn't have serenity that day. (laughs) Um, Kelly, you want to read some song suggestions we got?
1: Sure. From Heidi, received some song suggestions. She uh, suggested Watch Over Me by Bernard Fanning and Let Go by Lindsay McCall. And uh, Heidi will take a listen to these songs um, and try to incorporate them in a future episode or meditation for you. And then Ruth also commented on a meditation. The reason she likes the song is that it brought her back to Al-Anon after several years of absence when she was just trying to forget. She says, I want to thank Soko by mentioning this song here. I was in a very confusing situation again, and this song just cleared my view. And the song is called For Marlon, and it's by Soko. And then she says um, that she heard this song while listening to Soko's album, which she bought because of a song entitled I Kill Her. And she also sent us a link to that song, and it has the best video ever, you guys. We're
0: going to have to post those links on the on the show notes. Absolutely. Yes,
1: it was brilliant. So um she continues on to say, I was wondering why I liked this song so much. This woman is acting really crazy, and she really was. Um, <laughs> I don't think I should be angry with the person for whom my partner is cheating, but instead with my partner himself. First of all, the song is somehow ironic. She expresses her fury and her... So common at the same time, so unrealistic expectations that you have to laugh about it. But at one moment, she also very clearly realizes how overdone it is. And what appeals to me is, in particular, is that she seems vulnerable and strong at the same time. I hope you enjoy. Take what you like and leave the rest. Okay. We enjoyed them, Ruth. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Especially <laughs> that I kill her video. Man, that, that's just hilarious. We got five, uh, sorry, four. Um, five-star reviews on uh, iTunes uh, in the last week or two. I want to thank people for those. Um, good iTunes reviews and ratings help move us up in the ranking and help people to find us when people are in need and looking for a recovery. So if you're concerned about anonymity because you know iTunes does show your screen name when you write a review, you can just give us a rating without writing a review and it will not show your identity. So thank you for those reviews from Uh, Barb, Oleander, uh, Typical Quirk, and Liz.
1: Later this week, we will be having our very first recovery show group, Conscience, and we're all kind of excited about it. Um, (laughs) Spencer cheering in the background. Um, We have had some topics come up lately that we felt might impact the format of the podcast going forward, and we wanted to just take some time out to discuss them in detail before we make a decision about anything that might affect um, you know, what you guys are hearing. And so we will be discussing how we tackle the Our Week in Recovery segment of the podcast, just to make sure that we're not breaking anyone's anonymity or any traditions. We also want to talk about the amount of listener shares that we get and how often we incorporate them in an attempt to not make that portion of the podcast be too long. So we also want to talk about um, how transparent we think we need to be with all of you about our expenses and the donations that come in. And then we have a few other logistical issues also. So if you have any thoughts on any of those topics that I mentioned, please feel free to write us. We definitely want our listeners to keep coming back. So if there are portions of the podcast that you don't like or areas in which you think we can approve, we really would love to know. So please send us an email. A voicemail, however you need to reach out. But if there is something that you think we could do better, please let us know.
0: And our our sister podcast, Recovered, which, as I mentioned, we'll be recording with next week. Uh, he's been posting um, hours from his 12-hour podcast that he did uh, back in June uh, in honor of his late son, Andrew. And this week he posted hours uh, 6 and 7, I think, this week. Um, hour 6 uh, features our own Kelly. Um, and then she's gone by hour seven, and I'm sure she's happy about that, because that means she can listen to it. <laughs> I might cut that out. <laughs> no. And hey, we got new mic stands. woo Woo-hoo. Um We have a picture. We'll post the picture. Speaking of new mic stands, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which run about $30 a month to keep the show on the air. You can help support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation basket button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Carol did. We've put together a list of recovery-related books. You can click on the books link at the top of the page on the website. And if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. You can actually order anything from Amazon by using the uh, search box at the bottom of the page. And it doesn't cost you anything extra, and we get um, you know a few percent of, of whatever you spend. And again, that helps, uh, helps to keep us going.
1: We are closing with a song called Beautiful Things by Gungor. This song was suggested by our listener Barbara, who writes, Oh man, I love this song. Its rhythm is so meditative. It makes me feel so calm and confident that I must trust the process. When I do, I see more beauty every day in myself and all around me. And I think we couldn't agree more with you. So here you go. Enjoy. Oh. Uh.
3: Never be found